Good morning. Joining me now, I have Ethan Dato, who is the agriculture teacher here in the Mankato Area Public School District. Good morning, Ethan. Good morning. Thanks for having me. I should do a disclosure. I graduated high school with Ethan's parents, Rick Dato and Gwen Betzel, now Gwen Dato, and we graduated in the class of 1982, and we, of course, were in FFA together, 4-H together, and both farmed in the Polk County area. So I've known your family, so I kind of feel like I know you, Ethan. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes, I've heard uh, many of stories uh, my, my parents have shared with me about uh, you and uh, even your family a little bit. So it's uh, fun to actually be able to get to know your your kids and even now you and your husband as well. Well, it's wonderful to have you on the show. Now, the reason I wanted to chat with you, you are relatively young. Well, you know, when you get my age, everybody's relatively young. <laughs> but you are a new agriculture teacher. And back when I was an ag and FFA and your mom and your dad, things were a lot different in terms of how farming was. I think the average size farm in Wisconsin back then was 32 cows in, I don't know if it was like 160 acres or something. And we were relatively large farmers back then, but things have really changed since then. And so I wanted to talk to you as an agriculture teacher in how you are teaching and how things have changed through the years in terms of what is being taught in the schools. Yeah, I I think there's a a lot of ways we can approach this question. Um, And I think there's there's some ways where we in agriculture, food and natural resources education have changed to really uh, meet meet some of these changes within the industry. And I think even starting by what we call ourselves um, in Mankato, we're we're really strategic to call ourselves the agriculture, food, and natural resources teachers oh. rather than just the agricultural teachers. Okay. Um, there's a lot of stigma with our students that agriculture is farming, but we recognize that with an AFNR, um, that acronym, agriculture, food, and natural resources, we are so much more than just farming. We're everything from, from the farm through the food system to the fork and then all the uh, natural resources and green world around us as well. And so um, that's really one major way that we've changed along with uh, how we really interact and engage with those students. I'm glad you said that because I did not realize that that name had changed because back when I was in school and your folks too, a lot of people who were in agriculture class expected to go into ag production, whether it be a dairy farmer or whatever field it may have been, but a lot of times we didn't think beyond that. So that has really changed. Yes, it has. And, um, you know, especially here in Mankato, we we have so few students that come from, from the farm. I, I know the, the most recent number that always gets thrown around is less than 2% wow. of our country is directly involved in production agriculture. And so we, we really have to, um, you know, interact with these students, but also recognize that only 2% of our population is engaged in production agriculture, but about 10% of our workforce um, works in some way, shape, or form with our AFNR food system. And so, you know, there's this 8% that are doing, um, have jobs in agriculture that aren't directly involved in production agriculture. And I think that's that's something that our, our young people need to realize is the jobs are out there, uh, they pay well, they offer high quality of life, and and we need young talent within these positions. Now, you are relatively new to Mankato, and I don't believe Mankato Area Public Schools, which is a fairly big district, 
even had an uh, official agriculture program before you came, did they? Correct, yes. So I, I started here in 2019. At the same time, um, we were reintroducing AFNR programming into Mankato Area Public Schools. Um, that first year, we just offered one course. It was just a, a general intro course. And we were fortunate enough to run one section at each east and west that year and so there was only about 40 students involved uh, now we're offering seven unique courses this year and engage about 450 students oh my goodness in our program and so it's it's growing quite substantially rather quickly uh, but i think that also goes to show um, the demand from our students but also the demand from the community uh, for for this type of programming so talk about the other classes that are involved in that. I know my son took a plant science class from you, and I'm just curious what other opportunities there are. Certainly. Um, we, we try to focus on um, the different pathways we have in the agriculture, food, and natural resources career fields. And so we have um, an animal systems pathway that includes an intro to animal science course and a vet science course. Um, our plant systems pathway includes our intro to plant science course. Uh, in a plant production class that's going to focus more on the greenhouse on the east side of town once we get that up and running. We have an intro to natural resource course and then also an egg mechanics and technology uh, to round out our courses um, with some more coming in future years. And when you get students, do they come in thinking anything about particular they, they're interested in or do they more take it because they want to find out what's available? The the whole gamut. Um, we have some students that you know their their parents, grandparents uh, owned a farm, worked on a farm, and are extremely invested in more of the agricultural side of things. A lot of students in our intro to animal science class love their pets, and so have some interest from that um, from that lens. Um, and then we have others that you know they aren't coming in with the mindset that I really want to be here, but many of them do. <laughs> Um, you know, find some different pathways um, that, that they do find interesting. Um, I think when we can allow students to learn in a hands-on way, uh, they can, the, their mind gets open to new possibilities and they discover new talents they didn't necessarily know they had. And you mentioned the natural resources part. I mean, I think there's a lot more opportunities out there in that area because we talk about climate change and all the preservation, conservation, and that sort of thing. And, and that seems like that's a growing area as well. Yeah, it, it really is. There is, is more of a focus on sustainability and, and our environment. And I agree there should be. And I, I agree that, you know, who better to address some of those challenges than our, than our young people that are going to have to be the ones that face them head on as we continue into, uh, you know, the, the coming generations. Now, methods have changed over the years, too. Back when we were farming, your parents and, and I <laughs> were way back in the olden days, Ethan. I think we took soil tests and that sort of thing, and then, you know, it said, oh, you're lacking such and such. You just kind of blanketed your fields with, you know, whatever you thought you needed. But now the preciseness and the computer technology and things of agriculture have changed so much. Is that a big piece of what you teach now, too, is, is how precise in the ability of agriculture and those areas to be more eco-conscious in a, in a way? Yeah, we definitely do dive into some of the technology that we're implementing in agriculture. I would say we more keep it content specific. And so in my plant science class, we do talk about 
some advances we've made in the genetic side, but also some of the um, advances we've made in the management side. And I would say that's uh, exactly the same um, of how we address that in our animal science courses, both looking at, you know, the genetics, the science side, but also the skill side and how we manage our, our livestock and, and animals that we get to work with today. And, and so I, I feel like we, um, we, we spearhead it in, in two different ways in teaching about the technology, um, both in terms of what human knowledge, how that has advanced, but then also how the, the tools that we have access to have also really developed. Um, and I, I will be honest that it's, it's hard to get to that level without understanding some of the basics of how plants grow, how we um, manage fields, how we manage animals. And so, unfortunately, we don't get as deep as uh, we would like yet, but that's uh, hopefully where we're going to go as we continue to develop the depth of our pathways. Now, is there another ag teacher besides you? I should say, the what did you call it, the agriculture, natural resources, and... Agriculture, food, and natural Food resources. and natural resources. Is there another person? Yes. Okay, so there is, and the district has two now. Correct. So this, this year, uh, we hired our second agricultural education teacher. Um, her name is Robin Tidd. She comes to us from the University of Minnesota. Um, we actually received some private funding uh, to add and expand our program. And so I know our school district faced some budget cuts last year, but luckily we received some generous donations to uh, expand our program and are really maximizing uh, the potential for our students and how they can engage in our program through some additional staff because um, one teacher cannot handle 450 students. <laughs> right, um, that's but a lot. Having, having that extra help has uh, really helped our, our program reach new levels this year. What do you foresee perhaps future classes or things you might add in the, where is needed in, in the school district? Uh, I think um, our, our students are, are hungry for new and innovative ways of uh, learning and teaching. Uh, one class we're actually adding next year is a grand challenge course. And what these grand challenge courses are is this, it's a relatively new concept within education that focuses on what are these grand global problems and how do we find local solutions for them? And so we are actually implementing our first grand challenge course um, called Solving World Hunger. And so we look at this um, global problem of world hunger, but what are some local solutions we can do to uh, address some of these challenges? And so students um, are expected to have some background knowledge in plant production and animal production. Um, and then be able to apply that to the problem that uh, so many folks are trying to solve and, and world hunger. And how can we do that here on a local level uh, strategically? And so students will just get to begin um, problem solving, critical thinking and troubleshooting uh, and, and really learning some of these uh, essential career skills. So is that coming this coming next fall? It is next fall. We will be starting that course. That's really exciting. I, my son would probably have thought that was a, would be a fun program, but he's graduating, <laughs> unfortunately, but very lucky to have you as a, a teacher. As far as the FFA, FFA stands for Future Farmers of America. When I was in FFA years ago, one of the things was a lot of those kids were going to be farmers, go back and stay on the family farm. Of course, that has drastically changed. Is there a talk about changing that name 
to mean more be more inclusive? So uh, the they've shifted the the dialogue around that, and so they they have changed their name oh. um, to be just the National FFA Organization. Okay. While the letters still do stand for Future Farmers of America, we we really strive to focus on just calling ourselves the National FFA. And how I like to market it is a youth leadership organization that's based around agriculture. Ah. Um, the FFA organization has drastically changed. Um, you know, they, they used to be the, the chapter farmer degree, the state farmer degree, yep. the American farmer degree. And now they've taken out the word farmer and it's just the chapter degree, state degree, state degree, et cetera. Uh, we've expanded our competition areas to include much more of the natural resources and the egg mechanics sides of things as well. And even the conferences uh, have shifted to focus more on leadership while others uh, focus on agricultural yet and to really uh, develop all students in areas that they, they, they need that development to be career ready and contributing citizens in the agriculture realm, whether that be on a production farm or in that other 8% that we talked about earlier. Wow, I'm glad you said that because I was not aware of that. So obviously I learned something new today. So that's great. And back in the day, I used to, I remember doing meat judging, dairy judging and horticulture in those competitions. And so it's neat to hear that they've expanded a lot of that in the FFA. How many members are there now? Because obviously we went from having no chapter and now there's a Mankato chapter. Correct. Um, so we actually received a grant to become affiliated membership, which means that every student we see in our classroom mm-hmm. is involved in FFA. Oh. All right, is automatically an FFA member. Now, the, the involvement we're still working on, um, I would say we have about uh, 30 active members mm-hmm. participating, and so we're really working on increasing that. Um, obviously, with, with COVID and not being able to yeah. travel, um, there's been some challenges in getting that really kick-started. But now as uh, hopefully we are starting this return to normal, um, we, can, we can get more students involved as they can really see the impact of the organization through travel, through engaging, uh, through networking, relationship building. And so we think that uh, as students can start seeing more of the results, uh, they'll, they'll be more buy-in to begin that involvement. Well, I'm glad to hear that. That's that's wonderful. Thirty active. It's a it's a good start. And the added teacher, as you mentioned, it's it's expanding. So hopefully that'll catch on and be more leaders. Because you were were you a state officer? Uh, I was. Yes, served a few years ago in Wisconsin. Okay. And how did that contribute to your development in terms of as a person, as a teacher? I I like to think as uh, development of as people as a, a continual gradual process and. And FFA and serving as a state officer is definitely something uh, that led me uh, in the right direction with that. So I think I, um, you know, we, we talk about uh, building our network and uh, developing relationships and really relying on those people. And I would say that was uh, probably the biggest benefit uh, I, I received as serving as a state officer. On top of um, beginning to learn a lot of the facilitation, public speaking, uh, skills that I still use in the classroom today. And so state office was a tremendous experience and something that really helped me grow um, and really springboard me into the the continuous growth and, and improvement that we, we experience through 
the programming we offer. And so it's, it's fun now to be pouring that back into students and our young people as, as they continue getting involved uh, in our FFA chapter. And Ethan, what prompted you to go into being an educator versus going back on the farm? Because I know your family has a, a large dairy farm back in Wisconsin, and I'm sure you could have been a part of that. So you chose the education route. Just curious what your thought process was. Um, yeah, there's there's uh, was a, a lot of back and forth, especially as I was beginning my um, college journey. Um, I think the one thing that uh, still really sticks out to me and resonates with me is um, during some times when I was making um, some decisions about what I wanted to do with my future, I was actually considering going into the medical field. Uh-huh. Um, but a, a mentor shared with me uh, this quote that really stuck with me, and, and he said, that doctors don't save lives, they extend them. Mm. Teachers save lives. Oh. And, and that was just super impactful to me yeah. about what we can do in education in terms of pouring into others. And um, I, I view the, the term saving very differently now, but really empowering our young people to, to explore, to develop, and to really meet their potential. And, and sometimes they just need someone to, to recognize that in them, and that's really what um, empowers me to continue coming to school every day and continue growing as a teacher. You mentioned pathways, pathways in the area of which you teach. What are some of those pathways going to lead to for a lot of these students in terms of jobs, things that we might not even think of in the past as what would have been jobs for from based on what you're teaching? Another, another statement mantra that I, I live by is we're currently preparing 21st century students for 22nd century careers. Um, honestly, we don't know what all these future jobs will look mm-hmm. like. Um, one uh, new thing we're really focusing on is mechatronics, which is the um, collision of mechanics and electricity to create automation. Oh. Um, that's something that wasn't even around 10 years ago, but is now being implemented in almost every food processing facility across the country. And so we are going to need uh, students that have an in-depth understanding of mechatronics, have an in-depth understanding of mechatronics to really keep these systems up and running to, um, you know, as we continue to face these labor shortages, we, we need to adapt. And automation is going to be one way we do that. And, and that's a, a skill that not a lot of um, schools are focusing on yet, but there is going to be that huge demand. Um, and, and that's just one, one example. Um, I say that if we can uh, teach our students to be problem solvers, if we can teach them to be critical thinkers, and we can teach them to be great citizens for, for their community, um, they'll be successful regardless of what career options are available to them once they once they enter the workforce into a lot of careers that we might not even know they're going to exist yet. Have you ever had the conversation with your parents? I know your mom was an ag educator back in the day as well. About what has changed? What's some of the biggest differences that you have experienced that they maybe are surprised at? Yes. Uh, regularly. Uh, it's it's fun when my mom and I are able to have some either drive time together or just some downtime together and, and really dive into some of that because it's, it is it is so different teaching now compared to what it was. Um, and I would say that's even more true after the the pandemic has come through and kind of widened some of these, these gaps and some uh, made um, some of the 
experiences and education just more uh, recognizable and more obvious. And so, uh, yeah, we we engage in conversations around that all the time, and um, both of us find it riveting to, to hear the other's perspective. Is it primarily changes in content, or is it more in technology? Um, yes. I know that's an either-or question, <laughs> yeah. but it, it's both. Both? Okay. Um, yeah. When we went distance learning, uh, we we talked about how that wouldn't have even been possible when she was teaching oh, to, no. to get all students' devices, get all students um, onto a learning management software, an LMS that we talk about all the time now in education. That wasn't even language back when my mom was teaching. And so... Definitely technology, but then in terms of content, you know, there there are still some of the foundations. We still go over animal tools. We still go over animal terms because those are our foundations to entering the industry. Uh, but then we we will spend a lot more time on, on things we just understand a lot more now in terms of genetics and biotechnology uh, that were just um, concepts for a lot of these back when my, my mom was teaching. It seems sustainability is a newer concept in terms of being really emphasized where it wasn't maybe so much in the past. Yeah, it, I, I think with with sustainability and how I approach sustainability, is sustainability is not like a one-unit topic. It's how we introduce sustainability into every unit. Mm-hmm. Because when when we work um, work sustainability into the farm, we, we don't necessarily just do it uh, one step at a time. We're working to make the whole system more sustainable. Uh, I know that our large agricultural companies are beginning to focus more on sustainability, not just in, in one of their units or one of their departments, but as a as a system. How do we become more sustainable on the farm? How do we become more sustainable in processing, in transportation, in food consumption, and waste? And so we try to really work our uh, our work that conversation in in a lot of different methods, uh, and to really help our students understand you know, what what the impact of agriculture is. And I know it often gets a negative light in media. And so understanding that, yes, there are some challenges that we're facing that we we can address and we should address. What do you see as the greatest need for future in teaching in the areas of, that you're in now? Oh, there's a lot of ways I could go about <laughs> answering that question. I'll stick more to the, the content side uh, I think social emotional learning is going to be something that is uh, is a system uh, challenge that we're facing. But in terms of content wise, um, just having the background knowledge while also understanding um, the the future in the technology and where we're going. I think there's it takes a lot of understanding of you know the science behind plants and animals, um, natural resources before we can understand the technology used in those spaces. And also um, just getting students access to this technology. Uh, you know, some of the trainers we're using in my egg mechanics class cost over $20,000 per trainer. Wow. And, and so getting um, students access to these in a way that develops career-ready skills uh, will continue to be a challenge for, for a lot of districts. Um, on top of, you know, our teacher shortage that we're experiencing, yeah. um, the demand on, on teachers. And so I think there, there are a mirage of challenges, but I, I, the one I'd focus on is just getting students access to real-world experiences is something that we need to continue working on because a lot of them don't have, you know, the hands-on experiences like, like they used to when you know, more students grow on farms and everything. 
By the way, do they still offer shop class or is that something completely different now? Um, no, they definitely do. Okay. Um, I would say it's more specific than just shop class now and they break it down into the different areas. But there are definitely still some, and we call them trade and industry courses. Ah. Um, but they're in the shop getting their hands dirty. And that's what our egg mechanics and technology course really is. Do you teach that too? Um, I do. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah my my day looks looks a little different. Each hour of my day looks a little different, um, which which keeps it exciting. I want to thank you for your time. We've been talking with Ethan Dado. He is the Agricultural Foods and Natural Resources Instructor here in the Mankato Area School District, one of, one of two of them that's yes. been basically a new field of introduction since 2019 and expanding, it sounds like. Any final words from you before I let you go, Ethan? I know you've got class pretty soon. <laughs> No, I, I appreciate uh, being on the, on the show and engaging in some conversation around some of the real challenges we're facing in the education world, but also the promise we have for uh, future generations. And I get to see the, the, the bright minds that are really going to help solve some of these um, grand challenges that we're facing. So thanks for having me and allowing uh, me to share my experience as, as the agriculture, food, and natural resources teacher here in Mankato. Thanks, Karen.